Take your Bibles this evening, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This evening, pastor is going to preach a message, Order in the Church, Offices of the Church. And so 1 Timothy chapter 3, stand with me when you find your place out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, the Word of God says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to the time of preaching, I pray that you will meet with us. Lord, I pray that you will move. Lord, I pray that you will reveal yourself and reveal your will, reveal your ways, Lord, this evening. I pray you be with Pastor. Give him the words to speak. Give us the ears to listen. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Brother Charles. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're really going to be looking at the vast majority of the chapter tonight. And uh, tonight I'm going to do probably more teaching uh, than I am preaching. Uh, and it's, it's something that I want us to understand, and some of it is in preparation for what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks, and just understanding what God has set forth for His church. God is a God of order. There's a lot of chaos in the world, but that's not of God. God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40 tells us this. Let all things be done decently and in order. Paul here admonishes Timothy that there was a certain way that, that he ought to behave himself in the house of God. God is a God of order. I think the other thing we need to understand tonight is the church belongs to God. In fact, our English word church comes from a Greek word that literally means belonging to the Lord. This is not Pastor Holmes' church. Never has been, and it never will be. Because the moment it ceases to, become, to be mine, it ceases to be a church. Because by definition, the church belongs to the Lord. Put it this way, this isn't your church either. It's the Lord's church. Now, we are privileged to, to, to be together here. And this is our church and that the Lord has called us out and called us together in this place. But this church doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Charles. It doesn't belong to Dave. It doesn't belong to the deacon board. It belongs to God. And since the church belongs to God and God is a God of order, I think we can draw the conclusion God intends for order in His church. Now, there are many things that churches do that can be left up to opinion and left up to preference. And I want to encourage you tonight on, on, on some of those things. We need to be careful not to get our holier-than-thou Harry or Hillary personality on and look down our sanctified noses at people who do it different. Just because it's different than us doesn't mean it's wrong. There is, within the realm of the church coming together, certain aspects that are open to opinion, that are open to preference. But there are some things that are just simply, thus saith the Lord. 
Since it's not my church or yours, he is within his right to provide the structure that he wills. So tonight I want to look specifically at the offices that God has ordained in his word to help guard and guide his church. I want you to let that, because there was a lot in that sentence, I want you to let it sink in. We're going to look at the offices that God has ordained in his word to help guard and guide his church. And it's, it's important that we understand what these are and what these do. We consider even in the coming weeks business meeting and as we uh, potentially grow staff and other things, church, let's take some time tonight and understand order in the church as we look at the order that is provided by the offices of the local church. In 1 Timothy 3, we find the first of these offices beginning in verse 1. Look there with me if you would. The Bible says this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, like Teflon. Not that he's perfect, but it doesn't stick. Why? Because he has that kind of character. The husband of one wife. That's important. Vigilant. Sober. Of good behavior. Given to hospitality. Apt to teach. Not given to wine. No striker. Not greedy of filthy lucre. But patient. Not a brawler. Not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house. How shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The first thing I want to consider tonight, if we could, is the office of a pastor. The office of the pastor. Now... Let's understand, church, the verses that Brother Charles read to start. In verse 14, he says, These things write I unto you. And he frames them out in verse 15, that he might know how to behave himself. Really, it is what he has written in this epistle so far. But it includes understanding these offices of the local church. Now, as we understand the office of the pastor... I'm not going to necessarily go in detail through all of these qualifications tonight, though I think that would be a worthy study. I want us to more understand what this is and what this does. In the Word of God, there are three words that God uses to describe what we call the pastor. We have the word pastor, we have the word bishop, and we have the word elder. Uh, all three of these terms are referenced over in 1 Peter chapter number 5. We look at those first three verses. There Peter writes this. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, Neither being lords over God's heritage, 
but being in samples to the flock. And so we see them referenced as elders in verse 1. We see the concept of feeding the flock, which is pastoring in verse 2. And we see the concept of oversight, which is that idea of being a bishop, number 3. And so as Peter addresses the, the pastors and leaders of the church, he addresses them with all of these concepts there in that one context. Pastor, bishop, elder, they refer to the same office. Now the word pastor means shepherd. It means shepherd. Now you see, feed the flock. In fact, in Spanish, I love it, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehová es mi pastor. Literally, a pastor is a shepherd. The idea of a shepherd, it emphasizes the knowledge and care of the people. In Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28, Paul said this to the Ephesian elders, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his blood. And so pastor emphasizes that, that, that the shepherd is to have knowledge of the sheep and to care for the people. Pastors are called as shepherds to love and to lead sacrificially. This is why these qualifications are so important. Because it is so easy and we see it so often for men who have no business being in leadership to take advantage of the leadership position they have been given. That's why it's important that they be blameless, that they be of good behavior, that they be sober-minded. That's why it's so important that they not be a novice. The qualifications listed, they matter. And so we see pastor means shepherd. The word bishop then means overseer. Another facet of this office. Bishop means overseer. This is the word that we see here in 1 Timothy 3. The bishop or the overseer, this emphasizes the administrative leadership that, and the responsibility therein that the pastor has. That the pastor is not just a pulpit. That as the bishop, he is to oversee the work of the church. Now, this is not that he is a dictator over the work of the church. This is that he is a manager. That as the overseer, the pastor will give an account to God for that which has been placed in his care. The pastor will give an account. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. There the writer of Hebrews admonishes us to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. And so... The pastor, the office of a pastor, he is to shepherd the flock. He is to oversee the work of the ministry. It involves those aspects of vision and leadership in stewardship and in service. The bishop is to be an overseer. So we see, first of all, the first facet of this office is to be a pastor. What does that word mean? Pastor means what? Shepherd. 
the love, the care, the knowledge of the people. We see secondly, the second facet is that of bishop. Bishop means what? It means overseer. That administrative oversight, the vision and leadership, stewardship and service of the work of the ministry. There's one other facet that's given, and that is the idea of elder. Elder means aged one. Elder emphasizes a maturity and a wisdom in leadership. Now let me pause here because age is important. Because remember, they're not to be a novice. The qualifications matter. But age is not the only qualification of an elder. Because there are some old fools out there. In love, there are some old fools out there. And just because they got gray hair or no hair does not qualify them to any form of leadership. And so it more has the idea of someone who has maturity and wisdom. Because you can have old fools and you can have young people who are seasoned. I tell you, one of those, uh, one of those individuals even on our deacon board, I think of Brother Nate Griner. You know, Brother Nate Griner is not an old man by any stretch of the imagination. But we know as a church family that the Lord has brought him through some things. The Lord has seasoned that young man. And in that seasoning, God has brought him maturity and wisdom that is beyond his years. And so it's not just a gray head thing. And it's not just a ball head thing. It has the idea of maturity and wisdom that comes with seasoning. It's important. And so as we consider the office of the pastor, we see pastor, which means what? It means shepherd. We see bishop, which means overseer. And elder emphasizes maturity and wisdom. Now I'm going to tell you, church, as we consider these facets, we have to understand that the qualifications given in God's word are not arbitrary. And the qualifications we see in God's word are necessarily high. Why? Because pastors are the under-shepherd under the chief shepherd. I'm going to tell you, it is easy for carnal or immature people to do a lot of damage to themselves and others if they get in that position. tell you why the qualifications are not arbitrary and the qualifications are necessarily high is because it is an incredibly weighty thing to help guard and guide God's people. An incredibly weighty thing. I will mention as well that there is a weighty responsibility for the church here too. Hebrews 13, let's look at verse number 7 first. The Bible mentions, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. So we know that Paul, or the writer of Hebrews context and Hebrews 13 is the local church, right? Those who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. And the writer of Hebrews develops this throughout the chapter. And then we come to verse 17, where the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. And we've talked about this, that they may do it with joy and not not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Liz, would you put up the first part one more time? Because I want, I want to point out here the idea of, of obey them. Now, this is not the same as like children obey your parents. 
This has got a different, a different nuance to it. In fact, really, most of the time this word is translated into English in the New Testament, it has the idea of either being persuaded of or trusting of. And so to give you the nuance, you could actually even say, trust them that have the rule over you. And so the idea that God leads and God calls and God places pastors and leaders in the local church, and there is a responsibility for the church to, 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 to heed and to trust and to honor. Why? Because the office of a pastor is designed to help bring order to the church. It's designed to help bring order to the church. By the way, it's really weird for me to say all of this stuff about what I do, but uh, just throw that out there. But now I'm done with me, and let's talk about the deacons. I already told the deacons in deacons meeting tonight, I don't have any of you in mind when I say these things, so here we go. We have not only the office of a pastor, the other office that we see in the Word of God that God has designed to bring order to His church is the office of the deacon. Let's look beginning in verse number 8 of 1 Timothy 3. Likewise, the deacons, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so we see, first of all, the office of a pastor. We see, secondly, the office of the deacon. Now, the word deacon itself means servant. It means servant. That is literally what the word means. Like a household servant. And I think if we go back to the origins of the office in the book of Acts, it can help us understand God's design. So we see in Acts chapter 6 this play out there in the early church. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So what happened? People plus personalities yielded problems. Well, they do that for them, and they don't do that for me, and they take care of them, but they don't take care of me. Hey, people, right? People. So what happened? Verse number two. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse number five, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procor... I'm going to cough and go through that. And Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and and Nicholas, a Priscilite of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient 
to the faith. And so there we see the, the beginning of the office of an deacon. The office of an deacon was created, why? To help with the organizational and ministry needs of the body. Why? Because a pastor cannot care for it all. And so the office of a deacon were created so that the deacons, the servants, could come alongside the body at the direction of the pastor to do what was needed so that the pastor could be able to give himself to that which mattered, the ministry of the word and prayer. I love even that the word deacon traces its roots back to the, back to the idea of one who stirs up dust. Speaking of the diligence in which they were to give themselves in ministry. Now, we read the qualifications of the deacon in 1 Timothy 3. And I'll remind us, church, that the qualifications are not arbitrary. And that the qualifications are necessarily high. Because it would be really easy for somebody carnal or immature in the faith to try to leverage this office for themselves. You notice the deacons often minister to some of those who are most vulnerable among us. It would be easy for somebody who was carnal or immature to use the office to try to get between the pastor and the body and divide the church, which has happened to more than one church. It would be easy for somebody who's carnal or immature to forget that the office means servant and not superior or supervisor. And the truth is that being a deacon is less about what you do on the board and more about what you do within the body. That's what being a deacon is all about. Now I'll tell you, as a pastor, I'm happy to report God has blessed us with incredible men who serve this body well. And I want, uh, men, I'm going to call your names tonight, and when I do, I want you to stand. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Brother Rich Stenson. One of our deacons, he's not here tonight. He's out of town. Don't worry, Miss Janice. We won't make you stand in his behalf. Uh, unless you want to. No? Okay. So uh, I think about Brother Rich tonight. That man's a blessing to this church. That man's a blessing to this pastor. And I'm grateful to have him on the board. I think about Brother John Pocock. John over here. I think about Brother Frank Wiesner. I think about Brother Bill Brown. I think uh, Jack Foster one of our deacons, uh, Nate Griner, I mentioned you, go ahead and stand, Sam Mendoza, where are you at, over here, well they all sit on this side, I guess this is the, uh, this is the side that's either spiritual or needs more supervision, I'm not sure which, but, uh, but I will tell you, these men are a blessing to this body, and, and they, they fulfill what the heart of this office is, they serve this church and uh, next week we're going to be electing some new deacons and probably some things are going to change a little bit but I wanted you to see tonight men who do it right men who do it right and and let's honor them and thank the Lord for what they do guys thank you you may be seated I'm gonna tell you those men that I just had stand they, they lead the way by serving in the trenches by serving behind the scenes, by helping to hold up my hands with wise counsel. And I'm going to tell you, the church can't operate as it ought unless this office functions as it ought. So God has ordained deacons for the local church to serve the body and to help provide order for the church.
You say, preacher, why, why are you telling us all of this? Well, let me give you some concluding applications. Some concluding applications. And I know some of you are reeling because my outline's not alliterated or anything tonight. And so some of you, you feel like you're in the twilight zone, but it's okay. We'll all be okay. Why are we spending the, night, the time tonight teaching and preaching about the offices of the local church? Number one, because biblically it matters who, who fills these positions. Oh, oh, it matters who fills these positions. You know, church, when the Lord allows us to build our pastoral team, it matters who we bring on. You know, we're praying that God would bring us a man, bring us a family who we can have on staff for three or four years and send out as a missionary or church planter somewhere. It matters who we have joined this team. It matters who we have ministering as pastor and assistant pastors here at this church. It matters. Because if men who are immature, men who are carnal, men who who don't meet the qualifications get into these positions, then we no longer have order in the church. It matters. Church, it matters who we ordain to the preaching ministry. Now, I know some of us, were, were still trying to figure out exactly why we did all that for Brother Charles last year. Ordination is something whereby the local church, it recognizes the gifting and calling to ministry. Why do we do that? Because we recognize the probability that one day this man's going to be pastoring somewhere. So this isn't something that we necessarily do for, uh, for somebody who just you know, wants to be in ministry or wants to be on the team. This is something we really look to for, for men who, who, who feel that, that probability that they're going to go pastor and lead or a greater capacity one day. That there's that potential and even that probability. And so we recognize that. We did that. It matters. Because we put our stamp of approval there on that. So now one day in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, if the Lord calls him away, at least 10, you know. <laughs> and he goes crazy and starts talking all this weird stuff because we didn't vet him like we should. That's on us. It matters. Biblically, it matters who fills these positions. It matters who we bring on staff. It, it matters who we ordain to ministry. It matters. Next week. In our business meeting, we're going to elect four deacons. It matters. It matters. I know some of you have looked at the packets and you said, ah, four spots, four names. That's easy enough. No, church, it matters. And we need to give it to prayer. Now, I'll throw this out there as well because I know there's a couple of people who I have talked to and they have talked to me, but then we never finish the conversation. If you feel like... You qualify and your name, you want your name on there, we can finish the conversation. So that's the last call. We're moving on. But church, it matters. Whether there's four names or 40 names, we need to give ourselves to prayer for who God is going to bring on that board to help lead in the office of deacon in the year to come. It matters. Because if... They aren't who they need to be, then the order in the church won't be what it needs to be. So number one, why are we dealing with this tonight? Because it matters who fills these positions. Number two, biblically, because God teaches us in his word that we ought to love, honor, and pray for those that God has placed to serve the body of Christ. 
Biblically, we ought to love, honor, and pray for those that God has placed to serve the body of Christ. Now, I'll mention this. Our church goes overboard with this. Honestly, guys, pull back a bit. You guys go overboard. You guys love us to death. But biblically, it is a right thing for a church to love, honor, and pray for those that God has put in church offices. You ought to be real careful about having roast preacher for lunch. Not because I'm coming after you, but you look in God's word and God God doesn't take that lightly. You ought to be real careful about having roast assistant pastor for lunch. Roast deacon for dinner. Or deacon wife for dessert. Now, biblically, there are ways to address leadership when leadership is wrong. And you ought to know what those biblical ways are. (laughs) But the Bible teaches there's a level of trust that, that we ought to have in the leaders that God has placed among us. We ought to be able to trust that they are seeking to be led by the Spirit of God, even when we don't always understand. And again, when we have questions or concerns or when things need to be dealt with, there is a right way to do it. But biblically, the Bible teaches we ought to love, honor, and pray for those that God has placed to serve in the body. Now, those were some applications for the church body at large. Let me draw some applications for those of us who are in church leadership. Application number three, biblically the greatest leaders must be the greatest servants. We must be. The greatest leaders must be the greatest servants. Jesus taught in Matthew 10 beginning in verse number 42. He said this, Mark chapter 10, sorry. But Jesus called unto him, called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Biblically, the greatest leaders must be the greatest servants. I'll remind us tonight that the word pastor and the word deacon literally mean shepherd and servant, respectively. To put it in context, these were two low-class, undesirable positions in society. These were not occupations of honor. So officers of the church, remember that we are called to be to do, and to bear the weight that no one else truly wants to bear. This is not meant to be a glamorous gig. Man worship can never be accepted here at Harvest. Never. It is not about a man. It is not meant to be glamorous. Shepherds and servants were both positions of dirty, forgotten labor. This is the mantle that we have willingly accepted. So application three, for those of us in leadership, remember, biblically, the greatest leaders must be the greatest servants.
Application number four, and we are about done. Biblically, this is for those of us in church leadership. Remember, God is serious about his work and his standards. Leaders and potential leaders, beware. James 3, in verse number 1, actually, James goes so far as to say, My brethren, be not many masters, or don't many of you desire to, to, to leadership or oversight. Why? Knowing that we, those who are in leadership in the church, shall receive the greater condemnation. we got to remember that God is serious about his work and his standards. Church, if we want this body to function as it ought, and we should. Why? Because church matters. We, we looked at it this morning. Christ has promised to build his church. Christ has promised to work through his church. Church matters. And so this body always needs to be arranged according to God's word and led by God's spirit. And so tonight, even as we give ourselves to be thinking and praying about the business meeting and the election of deacons and what God has for us in the year and years to come, I want to encourage us tonight, church, that we pray for God's wisdom. That we pray for the leaders that God has given. I'm going to tell you, the Lord would love nothing more than to create scandal in this church through those who hold office in this church. The devil would love nothing more than to do that. The devil would love nothing more than to upend the lives and the families of our pastors and our deacons. Pray for the leaders that God has given. Pray for the leading that God desires to give. Church matters. And I want to encourage us. Because when you and I as a church decide to do God's work God's way, as Jesus said this morning, we will see the gates of hell tremble.